The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. To find out more about this talk show or other talk shows broadcasting on KUCI, log on to our website at KUCI.org or check out the latest program guide. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine and KUCI.org on the net. Welcome to Prescriptions for Healing Conflict. I'm Lloyd. I'm the show's engineer, and your host is Mari Frank. Mari's been an attorney mediator for 26 years, and during that time she's resolved thousands of disputes as a neutral conflict healer. She's a member of the Orange County Superior Court Mediation Panel, and she's been a law professor of negotiations and mediation and presently teaches negotiations right here at UCI. She's the author of Negotiations, Breakthroughs, and co-author of Stepping Stones to Success and several other books. To listen to previous interviews, see upcoming guests, download podcasts, and learn more, visit www.conflicthealing.com. So Mari, what's your show about today? Well, Lloyd, today our show is about becoming who you were really born to be, about being authentic. And I read a great article uh, in the Science of Mind magazine by Dennis Merritt Jones, and then I saw he has this brand new book, which I just have been reading. I love it, and um, I thought it would be great to get him on our show. Let me tell you uh, what uh, New York Times bestseller says about this book. M- MCC, author of New York Times bestseller, If Life is a Game, These Are the Rules, and this is what, what it says. In your redefining moments, Dennis Merritt offers a compass that leads us inward to the authentic self, that unique spark of life we were the moment we were born. When you read this book, you will embark on the journey of becoming who you were born to be. So that not that really wonderful What if we could really be our authentic self all the time? So I've been reading this book, and let me tell you a little bit about Dennis's background. Dennis Merritt Jones has been involved in the human potential movement and the field of spirituality for the majority of his life as a teacher, an author, and a keynote speaker. His most recent award-winning book is The Art of Our Uncertainty, How to Live in the Mystery of Life and Love It. And uh, he also has Your Defining Moments, Becoming Who You Were Born to Be, which I totally adore. Um, Mr. Jones is also the award-winning author of The Art of Being, 101 Ways to Practice Purpose in Your Life, and How to Speak Science of Mind. Dennis writes a free weekly mindful purpose e-message available through his website, and that's at DennisMerrittJones.com, and Merritt is spelled M-E-R-R-I-T-T. And he's a regular columnist for Huffington Post, and he also writes quarterly for the Science of Mind magazine, where I first saw him. So I'm just thrilled that he's coming to us from north of us, up in Ventura County, California. Thank you, Dennis, for joining us. Hi there. I'm pleased to uh, be with you today, and thanks for the invite. Okay. So how is it that you came to write this book? I know you've written other books, but what was it that kind of spurred you to write your redefining moments, becoming who you were born to be? Well, the... There's a politically correct answer, and there's the, the real truth. And the real truth is that this is, this is really a, a chronological uh, unfolding of the awarenesses that I've had over my adult life in the 
process of showing up as who I am today on the planet. And so uh, living authentically is not something that I think we're, that we're essentially uh, gifted with the skills to do that because we're trained by those who raise us to uh, define ourselves based on their opinions rather than our self-opinions uh, that, that uh, are inherent within us from the day we're born. If you think about it, uh, the moment we were born, we instantly began to live, have our lives defined by others. And the labels were placed on us like gender, you know, ethnicity, right. religion, social security number, names, age. And, and throughout our entire lives, we've had just more and more layers of uh, labels put on us that have separated us from the awareness of who we were in that sacred moment that we were born before we began to forget who we really are. I know. And so when you think about how how hard it might be to really be authentic. I think the older I get, the easier it is. But but I still think it can be tough because, for example, if your family wants you to be a certain thing and you're not, then you'll be rejected. And mm-hmm. and so that kind of re- people don't want to be rejected by people they love. Of course. You know, or in my profession, I remember when I st- started mediating and I left litigation people kind of looked at me like I was weird. I'll say, you're a meditator now? And I said, well, yeah, I am a meditator, but I'm a media. I was one of the first <laughs> ones to be mediating, and, and they thought it was weird, you know, or it was a uh, soft law or whatever. And, of course, now that's changed. But, you know, it, it takes a lot of courage to be authentic, doesn't it? Yeah, well, you have to be willing. There's a whole chapter in the book uh, uh, re- referring to your willingness to rock the boat, right? <laughs> and what what that? And if you read it, you know what I'm talking yeah, about. You know, yeah. uh, we have to be willing to rock the boat in order for us to find our authentic selves. Because there are those in our lives that, and, and it, as you may or may not know, oftentimes they're called family <laughs> <laughs> that will do everything in their power to to keep us from uh, living from our the core of our own being. Yes. and and it requires sometimes gaining the disapproval of those closest to us in order to set ourselves free to be who we were inherently called here to be. Yes. And you say in your book, you say, authenticity and consistency go together. And I love this quote by Ralph uh, Waldo Emerson that you give. You said, who you are speaks so loudly, I can't hear what you're saying. Right. <laughs> you know, these uh, people that are so incongruent, right? You know, they say one thing and they're, yeah. they're not, you know, they're, you know that that's not really them. It's, they're arrogant or they're just really kind of out of sorts. And who are they fooling, you know? And, you know, the truth is when, when somebody walks into a room, they carry an energy with them. Right. And when somebody's living from their authentic self, that energy they carry is so much more peaceful and not attached to needing to gain other people's uh, attention or approval or or, or uh, focus. You know, yeah, yeah. Uh, there's a, there's a great saying I love. My consciousness goes before me to announce my coming. Mm. And consciousness, of course, is just the collection of our deepest beliefs embodied to a point where they become the truth from which we live. And and our our beliefs determine our reality. And so the question we have to ask ourselves is, what do I really believe about who I am and who I came here to be? Right. 
That's not an easy question to answer, is it? No, it's not. And you know, <laughs> that, which is why there's so much conflict with people in in, in their lives because um, the authentic self is stirring within all of us that that innate inherent uh, intelligence that we w- were and still are the moment we were born is stirring and it won't stop stirring until we pay attention to it and give it a place to reveal itself in our lives. Right. That's why there's so much disease in a lot of people's lives is they're not allowing themselves to be who they truly authentically are, right. and half the time they don't even know it. Right. And and then what happens is, you know, we were talking last night about this, you know, with reference to your book and and um, some friends of mine, and we were saying how, you know, sometimes when you become who you really are, you have to leave behind some of the friends that you had for years oh, yeah. because they're incongruent with who you are. I have a friend that I um, was close with for since I was four years old, and I won't tell you how old I am, but I'm an AARP member and beyond. And um, and then, you know, as I got more into my own self and my own spirituality, and she wasn't like that, it, um, it had to end, and it is very painful to end that. But I can't make her who I am, and she can't make me who she is, and she couldn't accept how I am. Yeah. Well, you know, there's an old saying, birds of a feather flock together. Yeah. And when they do, boy, they make a mess, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but no, the truth is, is that as we evolve and we change our belief system, our consciousness, and we begin to really uh, allow ourselves to be who we authentically are, that literally changes the vibration of the core of our being. And we, we connect with other people, either we're drawn toward them or repulsed and pushed away from them based on the level of vibration that's moving through each of us. Mm. That's, why, that's why some people are drawn to others and why other people just are repulsed by others because they're at a different level of consciousness. Yes, yes. And so, you know, I, I recently was in New York City and um, my son introduced me to a mentor of his who actually was um, in the junior high that I taught back in 1970 to 73 when I was 22 years old. So people can figure out how old I am. But anyway, she, it was such a small world and she sent me a picture from her yearbook when I was, I used to teach Spanish and she showed me the foreign language department. And I looked at that picture, you know, when I was 22 and I just, I went, wow, you know, who is that? That's not me, you know? I mean, it looked like a much younger version of me, and I was starting to think, who was my authentic self then is different from my authentic self now. So we're not even the same that we were as we've experienced life, right? Let me offer you another perspective of that. It's just that more of your authentic self is revealed as you mature and get co- more comfortable in being who you are. Oh. We're, we're fully our authentic self the, the moment we're born, but it's covered over. And it's kind of like, you know, you can't be any more uh, spiritual than you already are because you're 100% spirit. Right. You can't be any more authentic than you already are because you are the microcosm of the macrocosm, if you will, of the original self, which mm-hmm. is the wholeness of life. But it gets covered over yes. uh, with all the labels we, we talked about. And I think the older we grow and mature and evolve, which is the operative word, and we become more comfortable in our own skin and we become our own authority, the more of that authentic self rises to the surface and reveals itself in our daily lives. Right. So yeah, this wonderful book, it's called Your Def- Redefining Moments, Becoming Who You Were Born to Be. So 
why don't you explain to my audience what you mean by a redefining moment? Okay. Any moment can be a redefining moment because within every moment lies the opportunity to be changed by what we see and experience in that moment. See, a redefining moment is, is that which can indelibly etch an imprint in our mind and our heart of who we see ourselves to be that shapes our life mm-hmm. before us. Okay? Mm-hmm. Redefining moments actually offer us the opportunity to perpetually reinvent ourselves and as long as we occupy a human skin, you know, these opportunities are going to continue to present themselves to us. A redefining moment is nothing but an energy vortex where we get a chance to look into the deepest core of our own being and, and connect with that authentic self that we were the moment we were born and to bring that authentic self, if you want to call it our beingness, up, 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 up to the, to the surface of life where we live in the five sensory world and incorporate our being into our doing. Mm-hmm. So every moment has a potential to be a redefining moment when we use the opportunity to look more deeply into the authentic self within and learn how to actualize it yes. uh, and its qualities in our daily lives. And a lot of that happens with crises, right? Whether it's yeah. death of a family member or a loved one, divorce, yep. um, marriage, <laughs> yeah. all these you know heavy things that happen that, that cause a shift in our energy and who we are, and all of a sudden we have to say, wait a minute, who am I, mm-hmm. you know? Well, Mario, we grow by one of two ways, you know, the old saying, inspiration or desperation. Right. And most of us are pushed to the edge of change by desperation, not inspiration. Yeah. And we change because it hurts too much to stay where we are. Right, right. In your first chapter, you talk about, um, well, the, the section is titled Living Vertically in a Horizontal World. Right. So can you kind of explain what you mean by horizontal living versus vertical living? Sure. If, if you can visualize in your mind's eye, uh, draw a horizontal line. And if you have a piece of paper, just draw a horizontal line across mm-hmm. the, pa- the paper. Okay. And think of that horizontal line as the surface of life, where you live your physical life. It's where life happens on, on the material plane. You right. have a body, there's a past and a future. And now draw a vertical line that intersects with a horizontal line, much okay. like a, a cross might look. Right. And think of the, the vertical line as that pathway that takes you to the core of your own being, mm. where the authentic self lies in smiling and repose, to paraphrase Emerson, waiting to be called, actualized, and called forward and brought back up that vertical pathway and integrated in the horizontal pathway where, again, we bring our being into our doing on on the surface of life. Mm. And the practice is mindfulness because every moment of every day, if we're mindful, which means to be present in the moment, we can remember to take that vertical plunge, take a breath, remember who we truly are and we're born to be, and bring that awareness into the moment where it is applicable to whatever we're doing. Mm. And and that is that is a goal, and it's not an easy thing to do because, you know, you start thinking about what do you have to do tomorrow, the tasks you have to do, right? 
And yep. it's it's sometimes very difficult to stay in the moment. I mean, the good news for me, at least, is when I'm in mediation, I stay in the moment. I have to listen to the clients exactly what they're saying so that I can, you know, reflect back. And, and that holds me in the moment. But the rest of my day, <laughs> I'm thinking about, okay, well, I've got to do this project tomorrow. I have this article due the next day. And it's it's um, it kind of takes us away from that, doesn't it? Yeah. Let's let's talk about mindfulness just for a moment. If you know, and, and you, you're spot on, Murray. You, you notice your body is always in the present moment. It can't be any place other than the present moment, right? Right. right. <laughs> but where is our minds much of the time? Right. It's in our the mind past is either ahead of us yeah. in the future, occupied by worry and, and, and concerns, or so oftentimes stuck in the past, stuck in resentment or anger or, or things that went on yesterday. And the practice in mindfulness is to call our mind back into our body and be present in the moment in our body with our mind and to be uh, clear on who we are in that moment mm-hmm. rather than, than who we might be tomorrow or who we were yesterday. Yeah. And you say in your book, you say it's not about where you have been or where you're going. It's about where you are now and then you... You quote Thoreau, and you say, What lies behind us and what lies ahead of us are tiny matters compared to what lives within us. Yes. And it's just, I mean, you know, it's one thing to know this at a conscious level, and I study this all the time, and I know it. And it's another thing to be there 100% of the time. I guess I have to be, you know, out of this body to be there 100% well, see, of the time. Well, see, that's the only difference between a master and a student. Mm-hmm. And very few people are masters. We're all students. Right. And students, it's practicing. It's practicing. It's practicing. I do, I do a mindfulness retreat uh, uh, several times a year, and oftentimes when I go out to certain spiritual communities. And the whole day is, is dedicated to mindfulness practices that help you understand how to bring the awareness of the present moment uh, and the presence, capital P, another term for, you mm-hmm. know, your spiritual orientation, mm-hmm. into whatever you're doing, whether you're washing the dishes, mowing the lawn, eating a meal, you know, changing the baby's diapers, you know, negotiating right. with a client, to always be present in the moment with it, because that's your point of power. Yes. Your, your, your point of power is in the creative powers in the moment. Right. Because you're creating your tomorrow today, right now. Exactly. And, and you say in your book, you said, your true bliss will never be found by imitating others. Yeah. And, you know, but sometimes people just aspire to be somebody else, right? Like movie of stars. Of course, you know, one of my heroes is, you know, Gandhi, you know, a lawyer mm-hmm. who was a peacemaker. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I've read a lot about him and, and just, you know, have this awe about him. I don't think I can imitate him, but, but I Nor think... Nor should you. You were no. not born to imitate no, him. No, no. But I can learn from him, right? Um, yeah, absolutely. But there are people, especially young people, that will try and imitate all of these movie stars or their favorite rock band or whatever. So right. how how can we break free of that kind of a mindset? Well, you know, interesting thing that, that Main Street USA, you know, those who market to us. Right. You know, you know, television was created for one reason, to sell us stuff. Don't fool yourself into thinking it's about being entertained. Right. Television is there to sell us stuff. That's what the media is there for, is to sell us stuff. And from from an early age, we were given a message from the media that we're not enough. 
and that if we just had this next thing, then we'd be okay. Then we'd have enough. We'd right. be enough. They're all smiling, yeah. right? All the commercials, they're smiling. They're so happy. They're at a casino, and they're winning money. Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, buy this, buy this deodorant, buy, right. buy this car. You right. know, whatever. Their, their job is to, uh, to remind us that we feel that there's a piece missing and that once we buy what they're selling, we'll be whole. Right. And that's a treadmill that never ceases. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and so you know what what's the message that we need to be to giving to people rather than after you buy this thing or you obtain this title or you have this or that then you're going to be at peace then you're going to be whole how can you achieve that sense of inner peace and wholeness now without having all those things and the only way that I know how to do it is to connect and reconnect with that that authentic being that you were the moment you were born that got forgotten about yeah. And when, you know, one of the things that people, and we're, we're sitting here on the campus of the University of California, Irvine, so mm-hmm. we have young people that listen to the radio show, and we also have business people driving by, and we're also on the web and podcast, all those good things. But I'm just thinking about these young people now that, you know, the trying to find out who they are in college, and when they go on these social networks, they portray who they want to be seen like, right? right. They aren't necessarily <laughs> authentic about who they really are. Yeah, I know people who posted pictures of themselves that are 10 or 15 years younger than they really are. <laughs> you know, it's it's quite I quite know, funny. I know. Yeah. I mean, a lot of speakers do that, too, and then you get them to come to be speakers, and they don't look anything like that. But yeah. the good news is mine is mine is up to date. But <laughs> you know, that's interesting you'd bring up the, the, this, this topic, because one of the ways that we mistakenly define ourselves the most is by our bodies, what mm. they look like. Right. You know, we define ourselves by our, our, the shape of our bodies, the size of our bodies, the color of our bodies, mm. the age of our bodies. And, and if we could... And there's a real struggle with a lot of younger people. They, the mindset is it's wrong to get old, you know, that there's something mm-hmm. wrong with, with being a mature person physically. Right. And, and what we need to do is reorientate ourselves to the idea that you're not your body. Right. Your body is just a vessel that your soul essence landed in the moment you were born and kind of consigned it to, to use the body as this vehicle by means of which you tra- traverse the human condition, right. uh, and then it, at the appropriate time, it jettisons the body and returns back into the ethers from which it came, and the body returns to the elements that it came from, the earth. So, so to begin to redefine yourself and understand you're not your body. Your body is something you live in, mm-hmm. okay? <laughs> but it's not who you are. Right. It's, it's something that, that allows you to move around on the planet to be who you are. Right. But it's not who you are. So the the thing is, is that not everyone believes as we do, you know, that <laughs> some yeah. people don't believe that. So if you could at least let it be a possibility, that might make you feel better, even if you don't necessarily believe that. Now, in your, you know, there was something else you and I were talking about before uh, the show started, and that's the um, the seven commitments to live by. And I, you were so kind to say that you were going to make that available for free to people who wanted by giving, yes. you know, giving me a PDF and you, you know, giving your email. Right. So why don't you tell us a little bit about that, what those seven commitments are, and then people can okay. can get it. First off, understand my my perspective is that commitment is something that doesn't show up just in one area of your life. 
is kind of like the blood flowing through your veins. It touches every organ, every aspect of your being. So commitment shows up in our relationships. It shows up in our work. It shows up in in uh, how we treat our bodies. There's no place that commitment doesn't doesn't have a role to play. Right. And so these seven commitments to live by are essentially uh, focused on how to bring commitment into our relationships and what it looks like and how it's applied in different aspects of the relationship. For example, the first commitment is I commit to, to leaving sacred space in our relationship for differences of opinion and to not force my ideas, values, and beliefs upon you. Right. Our, our exchanges take place in a safe environment because we can agree to disagree. So the first principle of commitment is, to, is, is that uh, the, we know that there's, there's nothing... Yeah, different perspectives. Right. Yeah, okay. there's different perspectives. Right. So that's the first commitment. The second commitment is I commit to not projecting my assumptions about you. Mm. I will always give you the benefit of the doubt and ask for clarification, understanding all the facts before I respond. The principle uh, of commitment transcends judgment. Right. How often do we make assumptions about people before we have all the facts? People do it all the time. All the time. I hear it in mediation. I'm going, yeah. well, let's check out that assumption. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. What's the third you know, one? And what we do is we, we make assumptions, then we rush to, to build a case around it to support support the assumption before we have all the right. <laughs> the real details, you know? Right. Here's a, here's a good one. The third one is I commit to listening twice as much as I speak. Mm. And when I do speak, I will be impeccable in my word because I realize I'm speaking to or about a, a sacred being. Mm. My focus will be on the issues, not personalities, gossip, or name-calling. Love it. So and, and I think how often in our relationships we kind of go off the rail calling each other's names. Or right. gossiping. Oh, my gosh. I hear that all the time in mediation. I have to be there, the referee, and say, now, can you say that differently? You know, yeah. let's not make it an attack. <laughs> Just tell how you're feeling, right? Okay, yeah. what's, what's the, are we on four or five? Yeah, on four. Here's, okay. I commit to making a sincere effort to compassionately see life and the event at hand through your eyes. Mm. When I do wedding ceremonies, uh, you know, I'll often t- tell people, you know, you could... You have to honor each other's need to be heard. Mm-hmm. You have to honor each other's need to see life through the other's eyes. That doesn't mean you have to agree. Right. But you need to have a sincere, co- compassionate effort to see what the issue is at hand through the other person's eyes before you come to a conclusion about what is. Right, right. That's respect, too. Yeah, yeah. Okay. The fifth, the fifth commitment is I commit to being willing to let you be who uh, you are today rather than who I perceive you mm. uh, or who you've been in the past. How many people are holding uh, our, our spouses or others hostage to who they were 15 or 20 years ago or a mistake right. they made right. rather than giving them a chance in this moment to reinvent themselves, to, to go deeper and to bring more of who they truly are uh, to the surface, you know? The past doesn't equal the present. It doesn't. No. Okay. No. The sixth one is I commit to never withholding loving kindness and generosity from you until you first match my giving and my kindness. Mm-hmm. How often do we withhold our, our affection and love from others until they first uh, pony up? Right, right. And the seventh one is I commit to being awake and present enough to see and affirm the highest truth about you, about you, even in those moments when you may have forgotten the truth about yourself. Mm-hmm. And the truth I'm talking about is that you're a, that you're a sacred uh, whole being. There's nothing missing 
within you, your whole person. And oftentimes in relationships, it, we need to have somebody in our lives who can witness us and observe and remind us of the truth of who we really are in those moments. We go unconscious and tend to forget it. Right. And we only have about a minute left. I just wanted to um, ask you this one question. Oh, my microphone sounds a little funny here. Um, because we've been talking about conflict as well, conflict healing, can you in uh, just a little tiny bit of time tell us about why it's impossible for the authentic self to hold a grudge and be um, d- a disputant? Sure. The authentic self is incapable of judging. Mm. It's, it, it, it's that that aspect of us that is pure essence, that it's the, where it's the microcosm of the macrocosm, if, if you want to refer, think of it as the, as the universal wholeness, where it is individuated itself in us, that's the authentic self. And it, it, it's impossible uh, for that authentic self to pass judgment on anything because it's essentially unconditioned love. Mm, I love it. So I, I so appreciate, Dennis, your time. We've been talking about your book, Your Redefining Moments, Becoming who you were born to be by Dennis Merritt Jones. And Dennis, why don't you just give your website again and then it's time for us to go. Yes, thanks. It's it's my name, www.dennismerrittjones.com. D E N N I S M E R R I T T J O N E S dot com. Dennis, we'll people. have you back again for the next book. I'm excited to do that. Oh, thanks so much. All right. We'll talk to you again Pleasure soon. Pleasure to be with you. You thanks, too. Mark. All right. Okay. You've been listening to KUCI 88.9 FM and Irvine and KUCI.org on the net. I'm Mari Frank. Join us every Monday morning at 8.30 for Prescriptions for Healing Conflict and visit our website at conflicthealing.com where you can see our past guests, listen to archived interviews, see who's coming up, and learn more about how to heal conflict in your life. Thank you. It's about trust. expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents.